Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Believe Embedding Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. On today's episode, we are continuing our Chicago sports movie podcast series, and we're doing with a Martin Scorsese film, The Color of Money. So get out your pool skin, get out your chalk, because it is time to talk. Cruz and Newman bringing on two guests. These are first time guests today. I'm super excited about this. One of my good friends. Looks like he's lost a little bit of weight, but he's back, baby, and he's bringing his A-game. It's Pat Babbitt. How are you, man? Oh, thanks, Joe. Thanks so much for noticing my weight loss after my incredible weight gain over the past two years. Uh, I really got into Hostess Cupcakes, and this quarantine has gotten me back into the good things in life. We're talking celery and vegetables. <laughs> it, it ain't about pool. It ain't about sex. It's about Hostess Cupcakes. That's right. Not anymore. And joining us also on the pod, he's about to show you everything. He's about to even show you his ass. His name is Paige Smith. What's up, Paige? Hey. <laughs> I don't think they can see my ass, right? Uh, oh. Hey, man. I, I, how's it going, guys? I'm really glad to be here. I'm, I'm really happy that you chose to bring me in on a pretend sports subject and not an actual sports, because I think I probably wouldn't do so well with the with the real sport facts. Wow, shots fired against the game of pool already. Let's get it going. <laughs> That's how you, you put your hand on the hood and you know Paige's engine's already running hot, already ready to roll. So we're here today, we're here today to talk about the movie, The Color of Money, shot in Chicago, uh, Martin Scorsese film starring Paul Newman and Tom Cruise. We're gonna get into all of that. But really, uh, this kind of hit me watching the film over the last couple of days of, you know, we are in a particular point in our lives, these circumstances of our world at this time. And, you know, I don't know, I, I, this is a really interesting job hunting movie. Um, mm. You know, this is a particular profession that, you know, maybe one of us could possibly be leaning into in our lives as, as our other jobs kind of wash away and, and roll away into the sea, uh, cough, cough, acting. Um, but no, no, no. I mean, I think... Pool hustling might be a real deal move. So let's dive into this. I want to just get your quick thoughts on a movie uh, shot in Chicago, a little bit of a quiet movie, a little bit of a, a different step for a guy like Martin Scorsese. Paige, we're going to go with you first, man. Martin Scorsese directing this movie. Um, what's your general take on it in terms of the pantheon of Scorsese films? Well, uh, as you know from our, our history together in sketch comedy and, and, and watching movies late at night together, uh, I'm a big Scorsese fan. And I uh, uh, actually think that um, this, I, I did a little research and I read uh, something interesting that Roger Ebert said uh, about how this isn't a typical Scorsese movie in that he, it doesn't quite have the heart of what he, of what he you know, usually put forward, especially in that era. And I thought that was interesting because I, I watched the movie and I really enjoyed it. And, you know, uh, Newman wanted Scorsese to make this movie because he loved Raging Bull. And so I, I, through that lens also, it's kind of like, okay, I see, I see why, you know, the grittiness, you know, the sort of the, you know, the, how, how well uh, just Scorsese shoots a city, you know what I mean? He, he's, you know, he, he knows how to, to make a movie set in a city. And, you know, um, so I, I see all that stuff and I think that, Honestly, uh, Scorsese also is a great choice because he uh, is a big fan of classic films. So he right away knew, understood the kind of um, story that needed to be told about, you know, obviously it's a sequel. So it's a movie he probably enjoyed. I don't know. I haven't talked to Marty in a couple of days. So I, oh, I, didn't, wow. have, I didn't have a chance to ask him. Right. But, uh, you know, to, to, get a, to get a guy who's a 
classic film buff who understands how to shoot a city who can make a gritty film uh you know he 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 was the he was the ultimate choice especially you know in that era you know when when those kind of movies were were definitely um surging you know it was a good time for him yeah it's a it's a quieter film in the scorsese timeline right there's no totally blood and guts flying across the wall or anything like that but yeah it's sort of his his aesthetic and sort of scorsese's strengths kind of play into this movie right camera movements and transitions uh interesting ways to present different shots and you've got pool so you've got balls flying around all over the place what i kind of really liked too as well was this whole idea of you know if you if a scorsese movie to you like casino or something like that is a is a Bordeaux or some really nice bottle of wine. This movie is kind of like a shot of whiskey at 3 p.m. Uh, <laughs> it's sort of like you shouldn't be doing it, but it still is kind of going down smooth and you're kind of like along for the ride. Um, Pat, I want to kind of ask you, I want to talk about Paul Newman's performance for sure, but I kind of want to hear your thoughts on this soundtrack, which I kind of forgot about <laughs> a little bit. Kind of creeps yeah. up on you, and Scorsese always known is always known for his soundtracks. But this is uh, this has got some interesting choices on there, wouldn't you say? I mean, I I like I said I watched this uh, with my uh, lovely wife uh, as she played video games beside me, um, <laughs> and I kept like saying like God, this soundtrack friggin' rules. Um, it it just you know I I think. Just to go back a little bit and talk about some of the things that Paige was saying, I love, you know, Martin Scorsese obviously is like really, you. I don't know if he's the first guy or not. I'm not a film buff, guys. I'm just, uh, I'm just a dude. Uh, but he always has utilized music in such a cool way. And I thought he really did it uh, in this movie. I also don't know if you guys knew this, but he, I, I read this like trivia on IMDb that's Martin Scorsese was like, I took this movie to prove that I could make a movie under budget and on schedule so I could get to make other movies. Like, he's like, I really didn't give a shit about this movie that much. But I was, like, so surprised at that because I I think this is such a cool movie and he is able to, like, jam all these rad songs into it. And, uh, you know, I am, I don't know if I just had some undiagnosed ADD, but I'm pretty sure I do. But, Martin Scorsese movies, I'm that idiot that's like, I could have done without that extra 45 minutes. And like, this movie is like, popping. It's right. It's like you said, like 3pm, you know, uh, shot of whiskey. And also, can we just talk about you said those shots? uh, And I hope I'm not stepping on anything that's coming later. But um, I think one of the biggest characters in this movie was the montage. Oh, we baby. Got, <laughs> we got, I was like, I want somebody to just cut out pool shots and see how long it is. Can you imagine like 25 minutes of ta 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 just balls flying everywhere <laughs> to like amazing uh, music. It kind of makes me want to, it, it almost is like you could tell like an entire movie based on a montage of just money changing hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. What I mean, like, and then how do I, how do I shoot this under budget? Uh, okay, let's do a sport that only has uh, one instrument and uh, one one set of uh, a certain number of balls, and then let's just do a bunch of shots of money changing hands, little money, yeah, all right. big money, We're gonna fat set up. money, folded money. <laughs> We're gonna set up a shot of uh, Joey. You're handing Paige some money. 
All right, cut. <laughs> now, Paige, could you hand him the money back? <laughs> and we're so and we're barely under budget, guys. Uh, they'll, they'll do it. They'll do it for the day. Um, yeah, the most interesting thing too is, you know, Scorsese again with the choices, right? Like Werewolves of London with Tom Cruise going nuts, but by yeah. far my favorite. Um, I think one of the most dubious things that could ever happen to you in your life is getting your ass kicked while One More Night by Phil Collins is playing in the background. Uh, yes, beautiful. I mean, really, take anything. Like, if you're hungover the next morning and you're puking in the toilet and One More Night's in the background, <laughs> you're embarrassed. Uh, you get your ass kicked in pool, you're embarrassed. Uh, so on and so forth. I mean, that I, song is triggering. I was telling, I was saying to... Uh, my wife Jackie I was like man you know the movie starts I'm like it's weird that Tom Cruise just only makes action movies now like he was such a good actor in these good movies and then he starts dancing around and playing karate with the pool cue I'm like never mind <laughs> yeah he this was like in the days where he did like cocktail and he he right. did he did a ton of those just like like oh I'm just a guy down in his luck movies and and or I'm just, a, I'm the spry upstart, you know? Like, yeah. It, yeah, there was, you're right. It, like, now <laughs> yeah, it's so, all like, I have to parachute from space to make a movie now. <laughs> yeah, Tom, Tom's, Tom's talking to his agent and he's like, you know, I just don't want to get, I don't want to get painted in this box as this action movie star. And he's like, well, we've got this script. It's actually a spiritual sequel to an original called, like, you know, called The Hustler. And, you know, it's kind of a quiet backroom bar movie. <laughs> Um, you know, I mean, you've got your girlfriend there and you're kind of, you get taken under your wing by this, you know, by this senior, a former champion hustler. And he kind of shows you the ropes and you learn the nuances. And he's like, okay, do I get to scream? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. can I learn karate with a pool stick. Uh, yes, right. you can. Yeah, sure, Tom. Yes, you can. And yeah. we'll get into that a little bit later, but the, the trick shots in this are incredible, right? And Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise going to space, you know, he probably spent one, over a thousand hours learning all these different pool tricks, right? Like, <laughs> that's, go ahead, yeah, that's, that's, well, yeah, that's what they say. They say that, that he didn't play pool ever before. And that, and even, I saw an interview with Newman who was talking about it, that in just a few weeks, he became like a pool expert. Like he, a lot of the shots, a lot of the shots of Tom Cruise playing pool are actually him shooting, you know? And I think, they said that only one shot he didn't do, and it's one where they like jump a ball over two mm -hmm. balls to make it in. And then, and then, but Newman even said he was like, Yeah, but if you gave him three more days, he would have figured out how to do it. Like, I, I, you know, that maybe it was just a, maybe it's just Hollywood courtesy, but Newman seemed uh, pretty impressed with, you know, how hard Tom Cruise worked. So that's, you know, it, it's, I was say what you will about Tom Cruise. Nobody's ever, ever said that he doesn't work his, his ass off you know like yeah to, to figure Through insane out. levels and yeah well, he's I, like he, he didn't need a stand-in for that you know well and that's debatable though too right because if i remember when they pop the ball in the air scorsese does kind of like that 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 flash he like changes the yeah. frame rate on it very similar to a lot of moves that he uses in casino like when newman comes out of the water and it's frozen on him as he pops out of the water trying to regain his form again with the choir in the background. I mean, he yeah. literally does that all <laughs> over again in Casino. So that could have been easily a Scorsese move more than anything. Uh, Pat, yeah. I want to ask you, Paul Newman's performance. Mm. You know, we love the chips. We love the beer. Um, but now uh, him on camera. He won an Oscar for this movie, and I <laughs> kind of forgot a little bit uh, it's an understated performance at times, but there's 
a lot of different levels. Like, he, there's different phases to this character throughout the movie. Yeah, I definitely, so full disclosure, I've for 20 years said that The Color of Money is a sequel and um, Paul Newman is playing the same character that he played in the movie Sting, The Sting, which is not correct. No! (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I watched it today, or last night, and I was like, oh, this makes more sense. He's, uh, He's playing the same character he played in a movie where he played pool. Uh, (laughs) But I totally agree. You know, I've seen this movie before and just watching it again, like you, I totally forgot that like his life falls apart at the end of the second act. And he's like, actually, I'm the best pool player and I'm going to go prove it. Like, I just totally forgot about that. Um, Yeah, I mean, he's amazing. He's fucking beautiful. He's like, I mean, like, I I dream of coming close to looking like that when I am however old he was in this. I mean, like, he looks like he's 60. This was in the 80s, so maybe he was just, like, 43 when everybody <laughs> looked really old. Um, but, no, I mean, such an awesome performance. And, yeah, I totally didn't know that he won Best Actor, and I'm incredibly, uh, incredibly happy for Mr. Newman. Uh, may his soul rest in the glories of heaven. Um, but... I'd be really curious to know, do you have any idea who else was nominated that year? Oh, that's a good question. Ooh, good I know, trivia. Do you, I, know he, he, I can he, look it up real fast. He didn't what? show up for the Oscars that year. He just didn't. Really? Yeah, he didn't go. He had been nominated, I think, six times before or something like that. and he it, was his, it was his eighth nomination, and, eighth, it was yeah, his, and it was his first win. What? And it was one yeah. of the, I mean, the whole movie's, you know, Scorsese ends up, you know, finally getting the, re- the director not for The Departed. Easily, you could say that there are other movies in his previous catalog that probably deserved, you know, that honor more. Right. And, you know, that's, that's something that's gone on with the Oscars for decades and decades of never really giving it to the people in their true moment, yeah. but always giving it to them later down. The uh, lifetime achievement yeah, Oscar kind of. Late, yeah. Later down the trough uh, for a movie that you're like, um, okay, sure. Uh, right. I guess we can do that right now. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio did wrestle a bear, so I guess it's time. Uh, <laughs> it's funny you All watch right. those you watch those old Oscars like telecasts or you know like Oscar moments, and there's always like two or three empty seats. Like back in the day. Actors didn't show up for the Oscars all the time, you know. And nowadays right. they're they're all there no matter what, you know. Uh, best actor nominees were Paul Newman. Uh, Dexter Gordon for Round Midnight, Bob Hoskins for Mona Lisa, James Woods for Salvador, William Hurt for Children of a Lesser God. I'm just going to tell you guys how much of a cinephile I am. I have never seen any of those movies. <laughs> Me neither. That, that's all of them? There's only like four. <laughs> There's five, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, that, yeah. I'll yeah. never tell you, though, none of those movies beat that pool scene in Sting. Uh, when they're playing, <laughs> it's a great movie. There's, and nothing, there's nothing beats it. Um, so uh, you know, I think I'm gonna put, uh, I'm gonna grab the clutch here, and I'm gonna go into a different gear, and it's time to Uh-oh. talk Cruise here. Um, Tom Cruise, uh, I believe the only time that he's worked with Scorsese, bless his heart. Uh, we've got the earring, we've got the hair, mm. and again, as we previously mentioned. A guy who's in an understated movie, uh, a movie about, you know, purity and impurity, um, about the hustle, about the angle. 
and the guy is just a bull in a china shop. <laughs> and I'm wondering if maybe we should just start here in terms of character development. Uh, he works at a place called Child World. Um, <laughs> I mean, the name of the store, uh, red flags I mean, abound. Uh, red flags abound. But I mean, honestly, it's kind of a, it's a bit of like a save the cat moment, right? Where it's just like, hmm, how do I depict what kind of store Tom Cruise's character Vincent would work at? <laughs> ah, Child World, where he has where he lives. What's the most innocent yeah. children? Yes, yes. Maybe some sort of world for children. <laughs> <laughs> for Child World. And so I guess uh, I would say on a scale of one to 10, I'd love to hear both of your answers. Uh, you know, we get... We get amazing crews. We get overacting crews. Uh, we get almost like an unbearable out there crews from time to time. You know, where on the scale would you probably put this performance? Ooh. Oh, am I going first? Because I you said go, ooh. Yeah, said go ooh. first. Yeah, that's how you buzz in. Okay. Uh, well, this is, a, this is a, what, a year after Top Gun. So, I mean, this is, I'm sure. Really? This is after Top Gun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just oh, like, so, I mean, and I, I should have looked this up, but I don't know how many movies he made in that year. You know, I'm sure he made more than one. He was probably, obviously, like, he's the biggest star at the time. So, he was probably really churning them out. But I, I, I feel like um, that his performance is... A, I think Tom Cruise is a master of of cinema acting. I mean, he he's like technically is is perfect in almost everything. So I'll always give him a thumbs up for that. You know, for for knowing how to like talk to the camera. Uh, but I I do think that it, in my opinion, there are some like cringe worthy moments of of his, you know, like like we were talking about earlier. You know, like the. <laughs> thing that you know like the, the that really like icky smiley thing he does but uh, jumping on the bed the the goosing uh there's a lot going mean, on maybe he was told to do that you know i mean it's you know how who, who knows what what really happened but but i i do think that he also had the ability to uh to really find those moments of like of of real like like when he's jealous of uh we haven't talked about carmen at all who i think is one of the best parts of the movie but you know like when he gets jealous of her uh, and 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 fast Eddie's relationship, and when he gets confused by you know uh, uh, what what he's being taught, and then there's a moment at the end where he he thinks he's helping, but he actually really like brings fast Eddie down a notch. You know, he, so he, he, there's but what I'm getting at is there's all these different moments that he has to nail. You know, uh, as far as uh, different. Um, uh, character you know um moments throughout the film that he, i think that he does a pretty good job so i would say uh, i'll give him seven seven to eight that's how's that yeah that's pretty good uh yeah. pat pat how do you yeah. take your tom i so i take my tom like i think a lot of people take their tom red hot um spicy as hell i i thought you know remembering this movie i was like oh yeah this is like a great example of tom cruise being able to do more than what we're used to these days and watching it again yesterday i'm like i don't know if i really stand by that as much anymore the the only part that i had trouble with is like when if if like the idea of this movie is uh that paul newman sees him kicking butt at pool and he's like oh i can teach this guy how to hustle people by being bad i don't see anything in um tom cruise's performance that would like 
especially in the beginning that would like let me know he's able to like play a coy um down on his luck pool player who would then turn around and like you know what i mean like he goes he's so hot well that's where the glasses come in my friend disguises <laughs> that disguises everything no i'm sorry continue i know i know like like i i'm like all right cool he's awesome at playing a hot shot that rules at at pool i I thought he might struggle at being bad. I was like thinking, I'm like, you know, we just watched the Jordan documentary. And I'm like, yeah, this is like asking Michael Jordan to suck. You know, like he's playing his character as this ultra competitive dude. Like he's not going to be able to suck, which I also know is part of the movie. But I just thought the parts where like, especially at the end where he like throws the game with Paul Newman, I was like, yeah. I mean, like he's not like, it was pretty obvious to me upon rewatch that he did not like lose on purpose or i'm sorry that he did not um actually lose like he did it on purpose well it's like he it it was like he taught him the hustle but he didn't actually like teach him the code and that's what kind of break paul newman's heart in the end for me it's like really interesting it's kind of a meta performance where you've got this character vincent who can't control his own impulses and his own enthusiasm and his own passion and his own ego and then you have tom cruise uh fresh off of top gun coming yeah. in and doing these scenes and a couple of scenes you're like well probably anybody could have played this particular character and then you put tom cruise in the car with paul newman when he's telling him that he's actually really going to try and you're like oh well there's that's that's movie star tom cruise pulling off that scene and then there's these other moments where you know tom's doing this and he's like oh man this this scene's pretty quiet. Uh, just shooting. <laughs> we're just shooting pool here. Um, and I'm Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe I should turn it up to eleven and grab a pool stick like a Navajo Indian and and kill someone, yeah. and, then, yeah. and then wipe the guts off the side. You know, go ahead, Pat. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Pat. I I thought you know like I was thinking about this today because I really I'm a huge Tom Cruise fan, and I, but I was like. I was, you know who I think would have maybe done a better job or I'd be really interested in seeing his take on it, especially at that time. At that Bob time, Hoskins. Was Bob Hoskins. <laughs> 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 no, no, was um, like somebody like Sean Penn, you know, somebody who who is like, can play. I mean, Sean Penn can't go insane. Like he doesn't have the insane side of the Tom Cruise, but like, the subtleness that I think would have been like really cool to see somebody try. Maybe honestly, like maybe Tom Cruise five years later in his acting career could have pulled it off a bit better. I mean, he's so young in this movie, which is he why does have surprised. a lot of juice. He does have that innocence to him too, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, I see what you're saying. Like Sean Penn has more of that, like what's behind his eyes, right? And it's right. an interesting plot point in the movie where what really kind of brings Paul Newman into the game isn't so much like that sledgehammer of a break it's more of like this guy is such an asshole that you can't you can't teach you can't teach this jerkiness like it's yeah it's so authentic that that he smells the blood and he immediately starts working him because clearly like it's not so much that he's attracted to the talent he's more attracted to how vulnerable this dude is which brings in our character carmen played by the actress Paige. Oh, oh, Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio. Did I get it right? <laughs> yeah. 
she's so she's so wonderful yeah it's almost like a movie between paul newman and her more i mean i don't think tom cruise is as important a role between those two i mean yeah he's just i mean he's the talent right and this right. is a little bit more about like the back the back uh the backroom dealings between two people that have yeah certain business aspirations and they have to sort of feel each other out a little bit. Yeah, totally. And, and great, great bounce back for her after a performance in Scarface that I'll be honest, I'm not a huge fan of. Um, she's, she's amazing in this movie because the best part about her is you really don't know where she's coming from the whole time. Yeah. You can yeah. completely know what Cruz wants. You're pretty damn sure you know what Newman wants, but you have no idea what her skin is in this game and what angle she's trying to play. And there's even that part where, where Newman just starts shaking her and be like, put some clothes on. You don't flirt with me. You don't come on yeah. to me. She's just like, what's the matter with you? And you know what I mean? Like, he's just trying to sniff out her game because he can't even read her. Right, right, I think right, that's right. what makes that trio kind of so interesting once they finally start getting out there on the road. The, uh, the, 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 the movie The Hustler is, you know, it's kind of about, like, character. Like, what's, what's your character? You know, what, what, it's not about are you the best pool player. It's you get he gets beat basically because his character is is subpar to you know the Jackie Gleason character who is uh, sort of the he's he doesn't have to hustle because he's the best of the best. So all he is is like a pool priest, you know. And so all the young upstarts come at him trying to beat him, and he he always wins because he has the he has character. And so now you have in this. I feel like this is now where Paul Newman, who has, you know, kind of lost his way, and is, is this is a story about him coming back, like, like hence the very end of the, you know, the movie. Uh -huh. I'm sure we'll get to later, but so now you have him who's got the character, and he's the, he's the guy who's you know kind of got it together. He's a successful liquor salesman or whatever it is. Yeah. And then then Tom Cruise is the young upstart who has the shitty character, and then yeah, I think you're right. She is this 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 like really important vital part of the you know sort of the let's you know the wild card of like what you know the the thing that keeps the thing she's the character that keeps everything churning because you have the the two archetypes and then the one in the middle that's like kind of represents the desire and maybe even the boredom you know she has all that going for her that that keeps the movie driving and uh, yeah i, I th think that i'm glad we talked about this because i think she's such a huge part of it and a really yeah. interesting character well, and it's fair to question, you know, when the movie begins, she's already perhaps in theory on a hustle that we don't yeah. even know about. Right. She's trying totally. to, she's, her story is, I got to get out of this town, you know, mm -hmm. and she, her whole thing is about making money and trying to figure it out. And she's, she's riding Tom who, let's be honest, Vincent's character is borderline obnoxious and i'm saying that very kindly <laughs> borderline and but he's got this he's got this insane talent and obviously she doesn't trust paul newman at first and that exchange with the 500 dollars of whether she wants to take it or not you know she doesn't know how to do it because there is a, he's he's trying to test her desperation level and so she's saying yes and no and he's trying to like kind of play with her mind a little bit and sort of twist it up of whether she should have said yes or no or not and at the end of the day, she just wants that $500. She just doesn't know the path to get there. Hop in, Pat. Yeah, I think, like, also there's that really kind of interesting part where she's like, oh, I met Vince because my old boyfriend uh, was robbing his house and I was driving. So, like, and not only that, she's wearing a neck, his necklace, I'm sorry, his mother's necklace, and comments that, like, Vince still doesn't get it, that it's his mother's. He just says that it's my... 
it's uh, my mother has the exact same necklace. So like in my mind, you kind of see this woman is has a history of using her her boyfriends to manipulate and make money off of. And then and now she has this new guy who she's obviously on a different intellect level than and understands the world far better than he does. Yes. And it does seem like this like pretty wild manipulation and money-making scheme. There's, um, go for, go oh, for. sorry, man. Yeah, there's that, there's the, uh, to your point, there's that great scene where he, his ego gets in the way and he can't, he can't lose to this, this guy. And, right. and, and he starts winning and winning and winning. And, and she's with, she's, then all of a sudden she's in Newman's camp and she's just watching him, you know, and she's, they're both just like, he's blowing it, you know? And then she finally goes up to him. I wrote it down. It's this great line. She says to him, uh, Vince, you win one more game. You're going to be humping your fist for a long time. <laughs> you know, yeah, she, yeah. she like, she like steps in on, on Newman's behalf and is just like, you're fucking blowing it, you know? And I'm right. sorry if you can use the F word or not. Joey. I... You absolutely can. Okay, good. Yes. But, but to your <laughs> point, Pat, yeah, the, the, she, you know, eventually she's like, she understands the grift and, and, and is in control of it way more than Tom Cruise is. Right. It's a really, I, I think it's also just like the, the Tom Cruise, I'm sorry, the uh, Paul Newman and I, uh, the Master Antonio uh, relationship. <laughs> I just wrote like, her in my, not, I wrote her down in my notes as Mossy. So. Mossy, there you go. And, and Mossy's relationship. It's like anytime, you know, you talk to a family member or somebody outside of the entertainment business and they're like, well, wait, you have a manager and you have an agent? Like, what is that relationship like? Just show them color of money. You know, those are, that's just a manager and an agent trying to, you know, collaborate and make some money off yeah. the product. And sometimes they're often like feeling up each other and making out across from you while you're doing your audition. <laughs> oh yeah, that's your head. such a tough scene. Yeah, that's a tough scene. So I want to ask you guys, we're talking about the characters, the nuance and the hustle. And so in this movie, we've got a couple of different gags. I believe one of them they called the two brothers and a stranger, which I just referenced where a guy's, you know, making fun of another dude while he's playing pool, feeling up on a girl and pisses off. And an argument begins that indirectly jumps up a bet to make it a little bit juicier. Paul right. Newman also deploys one where he bets that certain people in a room would do certain things by a certain amount of time. Tom mm -hmm. Cruise uh, wearing glasses. I think that one by far is the surefire bet to really throw somebody <laughs> off. Thanks. Um, I wanted to ask you guys a question. You know, we are, you know, we're, uh, we're actors, which isn't great right now. Uh, so we're in the job hunting land mm -hmm. and we're, we're oh, looking oh. for new gigs. And if we were to become pool hustlers, I'm kind of curious. Um, either of you can go first if you want to. You know, what would your what would your pool hustler character be? What would your character name be? Do you have a pool stick celebration? And what would your particular hustle be? Oh, did I, do I have to go first? Because I said, oh, again? Yes, yeah, you did. Like, oh, every I, time you say, I got to mute the, myself. You keep hitting the O buzzer, buddy. <laughs> uh, I was thinking it would be fun to uh, I to be uh, his, 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 it's Donnie the Downer, right? Ooh. And 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 he uses his skills to make people feel bad for him to like them to not want to play and then they forfeit their bets and give up, you know like like uh, I, 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 the, what they do in the shadows the the energy vampire type you know he's just mm. like they're like mm -hmm. you know he's just like uh, yeah let's double down he's like yeah that reminds me of my wife's double mistake <laughs> that she had last month and 
You know what I mean? Like just bring the energy down to a point where nobody wants to play anymore and you win by default. I'll play you for a hundred bucks. Ah, a hundred bucks. That reminds me. That was my dead dog's name. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, oh, bucks. buddy. Uh, we're so it. sorry. You know what? Yeah. Just keep the money. Just keep the money. Yeah. So I, uh, you're, you're not quite, you're not quite throat. You're not like, you're not going like <laughs> physical ailment, but just like just constantly bringing up how bad your life is at the time. Yeah. The sulkiest pool table in the world. Okay. We've got the downer Pat. You're walking um, into a pool hall. You got to make some scratch. What are you going? Yeah. <laughs> this is a classic move called the fumbles McNuts. So it, you you go in and it's what you really do. You know, we reference bull in a china shop, and it's really similar to that. So it's it's at any point you are grabbing a pool cue from the wall and you knock as many of them over as possible you're you're knocking glasses over it's, <laughs> it's very similar to the um jackie chan drunken master move where you um you basically make as much noise and, and right as you're trying as you're getting kicked out you say whoa, whoa, whoa okay 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 if i don't knock anything over for the next half hour <laughs> there's there's where the bet starts okay and, and the other really great thing in my case about this it has nothing to do with the game of pool because i'm not good at pool <laughs> um but you you would just set up that you're actually not uh, a true fumble mcnuts now the key to this trick is after you make the bet you have to lose a bunch of times so you have to go down 200 and continue to knock knock stuff over for 45 minutes and then eventually just get five clean minutes of not knocking things over. just all of a sudden like supernatural nimbleness yeah. exactly yeah, drawing attention to yourself <laughs> but in a bad way uh we got fumbles so mine was i was trying to i was toggling between two names i was either thinking tugs or turtle or it might just be might just be tugs the turtle i uh, just i want something to sound really uh slow and or easy to manipulate i mean come on like there's never been a tough guy named tugs i don't think and i was thinking of i mean glasses would be one way to go i was also thinking turtleneck and maybe like putting on some like bonnie vera on the karaoke mm. to really give me a softened like kind of kitty cat vibe to think that mm -hmm. sort of pounce on me and I don't know about you guys. I'm super in on the plants, the planted actors. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, uh, you know, maybe we can start doing this, uh, you know, Lord willing, uh, maybe next month. But the three okay. of us, three of us, we get together, you know. We all spread out at the pool hall. You know, I go to the bar and I start kind of feeling out for the action, you know. And maybe Paige is over there about 30 yards away. And I go, you know, I've, I, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're reading the, the peanuts right there. And I'm reading the room. <laughs> I bet you $20. That guy over there in 30 seconds is just going to spontaneously bust into the electric slide. Yeah, he just does it and then keeps reading his newspaper. You know what I mean? And, you know, we just start funneling in cash that way, funneling it in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I love this. Guy, this guy's going to burst into tears uh, in about two minutes. Uh, I'm going to walk over to this guy and, you know, he's, uh, he's, I'm going to let him, you know, pinch his nipples, you know what I mean? Go on and yeah. on and on. And, you know, I think we start racking up a pretty good serious game here real quick. Uh, let's go around the room. Pat, you're going to go first pool stick celebration move of choice. You are, I, you are, I mean, you are fumbles. So my right. 
I, I think my pool celebration of choice would be breaking it over my knee and then and then saying, oh my God, that was my grandfather's pool cue. And then <laughs> sobbing for 10 minutes. That would be that would be my move. That's a great, that's a celebrating finish. And keep in mind, everyone's applauding. Everyone's applauding in the room because you just won uh, during that. So that's awesome. <laughs> and then I would be like, no, no, stop applauding. You don't understand. This is really important to my family. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> Paige, uh, Paige, pool stick uh, celebration. Well, I mean, I feel like if you were doing the Donnie the Downer, uh, the hustle, you'd have to, you'd have to fall on the stick and impale yourself once a week, you know. But <laughs> I don't know how long your career would last, but you know, <laughs> ideally, it would be cooler if you could, after you win, throw the pool stick through the bartender or something. <laughs> there you go. But but Donnie the Downer would have to fall on his stick. <laughs> They'd, they'd allow that at Chalkies, I think. I think that would <laughs> yeah. be allowed. Um, my, my two is, you know, there's the obvious one, ride the horsey. But let's be, all, let's be real, that's one that's been done before. I was kind of thinking the Gandalf, you shall not pass, was kind of a big, that would be oh, a big yeah. triumph. Oh, one. yeah. And Hell then yeah. the other one was uh, before the game, um, I wanted to, like, pull out a check or something. You know, I was gonna write, and I just wanted to write the check with the pool stick, or try, uh, you know. like a giant check, hopefully. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's <laughs> I thought my celebration move was gonna be. Um, I think I think also just like another one we should all consider is breaking the gender norms and doing an incredibly sultry pole dancing. Ooh, uh, like yes. like yeah, like grown men getting really sexual, uh, i.e., pole dance. Oh, like oh wow. And on that tip, we are going to get a word from our sponsor today. We're coming back with more of The Color of Money in just a second, but let's talk about our sponsor. And who else is it? It's the same sponsor we have every week because we love them so much. It's betonline.ag. And trust me, you guys, there's no shortage of action going on with our exclusive partner, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back. NBA's trying to make it happen. MLB is trying to not make it happen, but there's still UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and soccer leading the way right now, including golf. And betonline.ag has all the best odds, lines for the upcoming games and matches. So are you looking for something other than sports? Don't worry about it. Betonline.ag has got you covered with hundreds of live casino poker games, casino tournaments, and blackjack. All the press props in the business. So visit betonline.ag and use your mobile device to join now, and you're going to receive a welcome bonus and start playing today. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. We're coming back to the pod right now, the color of money. And what I kind of wanted to do real quick is I want to hear some, a little bit about some of the fun facts of some of the nuggets that you guys kind of unearthed, not only watching the movie, but maybe looking up on something that we like to call the internet. And I think we're going to start with Paige first. You said you had a couple of fun nuggets about the film. And oh, I'd love to hear them. Well, you know, uh, the, they, these are obviously, well, not, not obviously, but these two films, The Hustler and Color Money, are based on books. Um, I found that it was a really interesting thing that uh, The Color of Money, they actually veered very, very far away from the original book. Uh, the original book had Minnesota Fats as a huge character, who is the Jackie Gleason character from The Hustler. And they actually had scripts they were they were trying to put to because Jackie Gleason was still alive when they made the color money, so they were they they had a bunch of treatments where they were trying to squeeze him into the film and they just couldn't make it work, and by the time they found a script where they were like this is a decent use of uh, the Jackie Gleason Minnesota Fats character he saw the script and he turned it down because he said, well you know what it's just an afterthought and I'm not really interested so 
So we almost had a version where Minnesota Fats made a cameo. I feel like if they made the movie now, he would have done it. But back then in the 80s, he was like, nah, nah, it's not good enough for me. Well, and if I may really quick, I kind of liked that. Uh, I like the whole, when you're doing a sequel of some kind, you're not necessarily like trotting back the old characters. Right. Um, and playing, you know, mm-hmm. the, you know, playing the swelling music. I, I kind of liked how they sort of alluded to, I think there's one scene in there where he's like, you know, your face looks familiar. An old guy was like, your face looks familiar. You know, I got hustled out of some money in San Antonio mm-hmm. about 25 years ago. And that just kind of like sort of drops the crumbs of the linear timeline of the first film and how those things still kind of intersect with each other. It's more of kind of passing and anecdotal. The guy who owns Chalkies now was one of the younger kids in the previous movies. Like, I like that stuff a little bit more than per se, you know, uh, you know, in my mind, all of a sudden, it's just like Han Solo on the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. Chewie, we're back, baby. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Yes, instead yes. Of, instead of creating characters that <clears throat> existed that we already knew about and injecting them as lore in a new movie, which right. I think The Color of Money does, you know, maybe Jack just like, hey, good to see a kid, you know, right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's, I mean, it, like this movie did such a good job of uh, being a continuation of a story rather than a sequel that somebody like me um, could get the entire movie incorrect that it was a, a continuation <laughs> of and not, and not like <laughs> bat an eye at the fact that it's like well i mean he doesn't mention anything about the spin <laughs> yeah as right. long as you didn't think the original was the color purple i think we're gonna be okay <laughs> um, yeah. i got go. one more i got yeah, one, yeah. i got one more that's that's really quick they they, they we, we'd mentioned earlier that newman had really loved uh, raging bull that's why he wanted to use uh scorsese as the director in the original Hustler, the real Jake LaMotta plays a bartender in one of the one of the pool scenes. That was mm. just that's the we don't need for discussion. I just thought that was a cool little nugget of. Yeah, that's a cool that's a cool kind of bring back, right? And it, there is some elements of like you know Scorsese's the narrator in the beginning of the movie for Nine Ball. Um, they actually used, I believe, the character who plays Grady Seasons is an actual professional like you know pool player. So yeah. there's some interesting kind of like under the radar cameos going on. Um, and a young Forrest Whitaker, which is a separate topic. We'll talk about that in a second. Uh, Pat, I would love to hear, what do you got, some fun facts, a little I, red hot I, nuggets? I only got a few nuggets. Um, so did you guys see, uh, speaking of music, did you, did you guys catch the pretty awesome cameo? Um, I don't think he says anything, but there's uh, somebody pretty famous that is uh, one of Tom Cruise's opponents. That's right. Iggy Pop himself is in the movie. I thought that was oh, yeah. really cool. Um, okay. Oh, my biggest thing is Richard Price adapted the screenplay. Like Richard Price, who's gone gone on to like he did Clockers. He's an amazing novelist, but like then he wrote on The Wire, and he wrote The Night of, and he wrote The Outsider recently. I mean, like he wrote he adapted this when he was. He's older than I thought he was, but I think he was like 33 or 32 or something when he adapted this. I was like, oh, no wonder this is great. I mean, like he's the king of people quietly talking to each other, you know, and making that excitement. Well, there's uh, so many quotables in this movie and so many great like exchanges and great kind of talks about like the way of life and the hustle, you know, the hustle and and uh, and, and, and am I incorrect? This isn't meant to be answered. This might be more rhetorical, but is this like the first time nice guys finished last is is that from yeah. this movie or did that come perhaps previous to that i don't know the answer to it but i mean 
I mean, it's long yeah, enough I back. Know. I was like, oh, is that where that sort of is this that sort of came from? I mean, I've showed you how much of a cinephile I am uh, thus far. I'm sure there's movies that have done it in the past. I also thought that was really this is a side conversation. This isn't exactly a nugget, but what I was noticing at first, I'm like, I can't really, I'm not really buying it when these pool sharks miss shots, and then you realize like, oh no, this is all about hustling. This is all about people like pretending to be bad. So it's like any like shot that you're not buying that somebody would be bad it's like it actually fits into the story yeah um, we've, we've been pretending to be bad at pool our whole lives so i mean well, yeah. we know we know all about it <laughs> i've been really good at being bad at pool yeah, yeah. Um, oh okay. darn it i missed again ah. <laughs> um i have just two quick ones that actually relate to us in chicago um I believe that the Lincoln Tap Room, the one that he goes up that's filled with furniture, the old hall, I believe that is either next door or actually maybe where the annoyance was first started and then the inconvenience theater group art collective that we are uh, friendly with um, began in that place. And we used to do shows and there was a big theater and the annoyance, I'm sure you guys the listeners know what the annoyance is, if not uh, a very influential uh, comedy group and club in Chicago. Okay, this next one is going to blow your minds. Oh, yeah. Friend of this podcast, I believe, Pat Reedy. When I first met Pat Reedy, do you know what I'm about to say, Joey? I do not. Okay, when I first met Pat Reedy, in his apartment, he had a pool table that he always said was in the movie, The Color of Money. Whoa. And I have texted him and I have confirmed that yes, I played on a movie, I played on that pool table, I'm sure I lost, uh, that was in the movie. That's, that's incredible. Awesome. That's right. Uh, that's, a, that's a jewel, that's a jewel of a piece which kind of honestly perfectly segues to the next topic I wanted to get to was, and everyone's like, this is, a, this is a Chicago sports podcast. What are we doing here? Well, first of all, pool is a sport, so sit back down. And <laughs> second of all, this movie was shot in Chicago. Locations all over the map, some of the most famous, or I, I don't know, famous, but more legacy, iconic pool rooms in the Chicagoland area. And for those of you who haven't had a chance to live in our wonderful city, even if you visited, you got to realize that, that playing pool in Chicago, is, it's kind of a thing. Um, there are tons of dive bars, and there are very few dive bars without pool tables in them. And for me, playing pool took on many, many, many different forms in my early 20s, especially when we started beginning our, our friendship and our creative comedy collaboration in our early 20s. Um, and I kind of wanted to sort of ask you, like, what are your guys' specific memories of what does pool, playing pool in Chicago kind of mean to you? What images does it evoke? Um, what kind of do you remember from that time? We, we used to play at Carol's pub. Do you remember that? Yes. You remember Carol? And I, I think they've reopened actually. I, I don't live in Chicago anymore, unfortunately, but we used to play in Carol's pub and that, that was a pretty seedy pool joint as far they had one table, but, um, there was always, you know, like all kinds of characters who would like, Hey, uh, put some money down on that game, you know? <laughs> and that was a lot of fun. And then I remember I, I did play. Uh, there was a place on um, Milwaukee uh, between Lawrence and Montrose. Um, it was, I, I can't, it's called like Chris's or something. And that was one of the places where they, where they played pool in the color of money. And I, I have played there and it is one of those places that um, 
I played very poorly, by the way. But anyway, it was one of those places that has like those two or three huge rows of pool tables, you know, like sprawling from from wall to wall in a big warehouse. And I, I remember being like, uh, I remember like that was that was a cool moment of, uh, you know, my limited pool playing career, but of, you know, being in a place that was like, oh, this seems so like, you know, you, you always thought of that movie. It's just, this seems so like what, where, where a bunch of pool pros would come and like, you know, like, take each other down the, the big concrete walls and the, the smoke in the air and the beers and you know it was it was um it was very Chicago and it was very very cool yeah I um you know I actually do not recall having uh as many pool playing experiences as <laughs> you guys may have um and I can tell you why I am not good at it nor did I ever um, strive to get better at it and there were these times whenever I would play where you would see the guys who wanted to play. I, w- I also should say that I'm, I'm talking more of the places that had like one table where I would just be sitting there and the guys behind me would be holding their heads being like there's no way this guy is a hus like referring to me there's no way I'm hustling them because even the hustler would know you have to like attempt to make one of the balls into the pocket. <laughs> um, however, yeah, I mean, I was the guy waiting for his friends to finish so we could, um, they could listen to me talk at them at the bars. I find that to be, I find that to be fairly surprising because uh, I thought that would be uh, right up your alley um, because th- this is how basically like dating in Chicago would sometimes go, right? In your early 20s was you'd you'd meet up at a dive bar uh you would order a a tall like heavily alcohol beer of some kind and then you would have this date and more times than not if it was at like 10 cat or map room or whatever there'd be a pool table and haha let's play and let's have fun and it would happen every <laughs> single time where you start to play right and then like one shot the cue ball flies off the table and every <laughs> two of you have a giggle and then you kind of keep playing and then my favorite part is about 20 minutes in you're still playing the same game because you're so bad uh, yeah the, yeah the game, the yeah, game I don't... just doesn't end um you're just like good can one of us just please just make a shot and then it, it turns from something that's like kind of cute to something that's like really frustrating at the same time um yeah i remember I oh sorry pat go ahead no go ahead. no i was gonna just say i don't I don't know what my tactics were, but they were not pool related uh, when it came to dating. (laughs) Do you remember the games where you would, you would put the money in and you would set it up, you know, and then you would, you would hit the cue ball in on the first shot (laughs) and you're, you're, you're supposed to lose right then you already lose, but you put the money in. Well, let's just play the game anyway. Yeah. That was my two dollars, Paige. Ah. <laughs> you can't, you can't like re-rat. You're like, well, I guess I lose, but hey, let's just keep playing. Ah, I'm going up. Yeah, I mean, for me, <laughs> for me, I'm, I'm not, I'm not good at pool, but God, I love playing pool. I, I played in junior. My friend in junior high had a pool table, mm. and so like when his parents would go out to dinner on a Saturday night, and we'd be stealing nips of his johnny walker whiskey or whatever in eighth grade we would play pool and listen to music and then even um the place on wellington um lindsey fisher who's a cool table member of ours when we would go and rehearse there they had that pool table in the back and we would work shifts yeah, at yeah, the yeah, bevix yeah, yeah. and then uh, 
Well, no, they had they actually had a pool table in their back room next to their kitchen really? for a oh, while. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah, yeah I would work shifts uh, at Ed DeBevick's, and then me and, and a buddy of ours, uh, Paul Dichter, we'd go back to their place, and we'd play pool and just listen to music and just oh, that's so try cool. and sort out the. The, the twists and turns of life uh, over the course of two, three hours, you know, and over that two, three hours, we only played two games, right? Because we were only, so, we were so terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember somebody, that eight somebody stole uh, Paul Dichter's iPod at one of the, at one of those get togethers. Do you That's right. That? Yeah. Because we were always, we were always listening to music. So he always had it plugged in right there. And uh, yeah. I, uh, I just want to share my, one of my favorite jokes in the world is uh, by the late great uh, Mitch Hedberg who was asked once his experience as an actor, because he's a stand-up and they were trying to get him to act in something. He's like, my experience in acting is whenever I play pool and one of the balls goes in, I act like I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> Which I completely understand. <laughs> I, I'm right there, right there with that. Um, so gentlemen, we got two, we got two topics left. Um, one that I definitely want to get to is just the whole concept of the arc of Paul Newman's character throughout the movie, which I think is actually really cool and interesting, especially for someone that has uh, a character who's basically having a spiritual sequel happen to him, where you've got kind of a guy who is, if you think about it in a way, like a grizzly bear dormant, right? Like all of his, his lesser tendencies are asleep in hibernation at the time, living his life, just selling whiskey still talking trash or whatever, but you know, nothing's really going on there. And then the interesting move from him being interested from a sense of maybe taking advantage of Vincent and Carmen to all of a sudden him buying into it and having those juices, as he says, reinvigorated. You know I mean, he, I can't believe it, kid. You got me talking to myself. You know, he walks up the stairs to the first pool hall, which is empty, but he goes, you know, I got goosebumps. And he himself gets too invested and gets swept away to see with what he thinks is kind of coming back to him and then mm. he in theory tries to get the jones to try and do it himself again you know pulls his ass out loses a bunch of money to forrest whitaker and then in some sort of way kind of brings in this redemption side of him trying to get back in the ring and return to glory um I just want to talk a little bit about this. I just think it's a really kind of interesting arc. And in between all that, you've got all these different little quest uh, modes. Like you've got the Balabushka, the amazing yes. pool stick that everyone talks about. Um, <laughs> he runs in, he runs into different people that, you know, that you don't really know. You can't really trust along the trail and the path of life, especially when you're hustling like Forrest Whitaker's character. Um, it's just kind of like the, it's, it's a really interesting rise from a guy who's kind of starts from nothing. And by the end of the movie is sort of back to the character that he was in the original film. And I just think that's kind of a fun through line. And I, I kind of makes sense why the dude won the best Oscar for, for actor that year, because he's an amazing actor, but it's just an amazing performance in a really cool role. Yeah. I, I, I know I was like thinking at the end of it, like, what kind of story are we watching is this like a story about triumph or tragedy or or what and i was i'm you know like if the story were to continue on i i don't personally have like the highest of hopes for his character you know like it kind of reminded me a little of mcnulty from the wire of like 
you know, he kind of does makes bad decisions when he gets he gets wrapped up in this thing that he loves. Like, uh, and and I think that you know maybe he was on the right track. He definitely was not an unsuccessful uh, liquor salesman, even though it sounds like he was dealing with some fraudulent uh, whiskey at, at times. But um, yeah, I mean, it, that's what I think was so fascinating about the characters. Like, you're rooting for this guy, but then you're like, I don't know. Like, so what we're like hoping he just like is dying in these pool halls for until he's like in his 80s or something like that. I, yeah, it, it's it is really interesting. Yeah, Paige, I want to ask you, like, do you think so like for Paul Newman, the pool hall for him and playing pool was like his sanctuary, right? Mm-hmm. And the hustle is something that he felt like was adjacent to it, but in a weird way, impurified what he thought his sanctuary is. So by the end of the movie, do you think that that he is back, you know, the fact that he's playing again and back where he was with his game, is he pure or do you think it's something that was a point of no return in terms of what he tainted in his own sport? Well, yeah, I think that I think that that's I think that's kind of the idea of the arc between the two movies too. Uh, at the beginning or in the first one, you know, he's he's this young upstart hustler, you know, who's you know basically he takes himself down. You know, it's that movie does not end with him learning something about you know greatness. It's actually him like completely hitting rock bottom. So then, what you have room for in the Color of Money is his his comeback isn't necessarily one of, okay, I'm the best hustler. It's, I don't have to hustle because I have the purity of the game behind me. You know what I mean? So at the end of the movie, the, Hey, I'm back thing is, 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 it comes into, to, to like, um, uh, I, I, Hey, like not, not my game is back, but my soul is back. You know what I mean? Like, he, you know, maybe he's playing for the right reasons now and not, it's not about, it's not about, um, defeating somebody through uh you know sheer like you know uh, uh it's it's more about parlor skill. tricks yeah exactly it's more about skill and love of the game and like purity of heart as opposed to you know uh i'm gonna i'm gonna trick this guy and i'm gonna take him down because he doesn't see it coming you know what i mean everybody knows who he is at that point yeah um, and it's a it's an interesting topic that's being tackled and i i want to lightly tap um the concept that it does have a bit of a uh, of a recent topical sort of vibe to it of this whole concept of you know you can do everything you can in the world to get ahead in life by obscuring uh what the reality is but in the end all paul newman wanted to know is was he actually better than vincent you know right. I mean? at the end of the day the reality of the truth of who is better in the pure sense of competition yep. and and the fact that there is something heartbreaking about that that you know the audience doesn't get it because the movie's over but does does newman's character actually get it because he's lived this whole life of of you know smokescreen here obscuring here am i telling the truth am i not telling the truth should you take the 500 dollars? should you not take the 500 dollars? all these games and stuff but at the end of the day when he wanted to try and find out who the best of the best is you know vincent takes a dump and makes a huge it makes a huge killing you know what i mean right right um, and nothing is more like nothing hits you more of that than when he's going to, to take that shot. And you know, when those balls are looking at you right back in the face <laughs> and you can't stand to look at yourself in those balls, uh, that Scorsese reflection shot. 
Yes, that's right. You know, that's when you know that you're really falling apart. So my question is, you know, the movie ends and he goes, hey, I'm back. But who do you think wins? Uh, you know, fantasy, fantasy scenario. Who do you got your money on? Eddie, they, they, Eddie Felsen or, or Vincent? And they don't give you the payoff for that reason, I think, is that they want you to, like, decide maybe, right? I mean, that's – I don't know – I don't know why they won't, they didn't give you the payoff. I guess they, they didn't think it was important. But I say Fast Eddie wins. I think so, too, because wouldn't you think at some point Eddie could still get into Vincent's head somehow? Yeah, or maybe not. Maybe he just freaking plays, like, just – like two like just like minnesota fats in the first one he just like is just like a surgeon and just plays like with his heart you know i don't know pat who do you think wins i don't know yeah i mean what what i always what i've been thinking about a lot is like right before he hits the cube like right before it ends he says all right don't put that money into your bank account because even if i lose today i'm gonna play you in four months I'm going to play in four months after that. I'm coming after that money. So, I mean, even if Vince wins, Fast Eddie has now gone as kind of lost his mind a little bit with competition and is now, <laughs> and is now going to be tracking Vince across the country to play him every two months. So, I mean, I guess if Fast Eddie needed the juice and needed to win, he's won in that way, that he's now signed up for this insane lifestyle of competition. Like, I win no matter what. Yeah, I will, kill, I will beat you once, and then my life yeah. will be over. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so that's, a, that's my thing. I'm, like, not confident about, the, about Fast Eddie's next 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's talking swift, swift decline here. Uh, yeah, I think he might be. <laughs> yeah, he, he does lose pretty – he loses control pretty fast to Forrest Whitaker's character. Um, yeah. Which is just uh, an awesome, like – heat-seeking missile of a scene uh, by Whitaker. He's kind of coming in talking about how he was the subject of psychiatric tests. Yeah. Like, you know, it's kind of funny. In the 80s, you would think that that kind of conversation is uh, some sort of, like, he's saying voodoo to him to make it seem like he's kind of crazy. But honestly, what he's saying is sort of tipping him off uh, that he yeah. is telling him and that he's reading him right now, whether he knows it or not. And sort of, like, playing against the grain of uh, the 80s, baby. Uh, totally. <laughs> totally the, the pure naive 80s um yeah pretty pretty amazing scene and obviously uh right after that paul newman bursts down into tears banging his head against the wall yes uh, kind of trying to revisit of what went right and what went wrong which then leads him to you know wanting to bail and uh really just obviously swiftly changes the movie uh from, totally. this, from this road trip uh quest are they going to make it there to sort of just breaks the whole thing apart and then turns into that amazing money montage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of him getting, getting, trying to get his game back together, going yeah. back, back to basics, getting the fundamentals down, all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, uh, I think that might be why I'm like not as like confident about that. He like made that decision in the when he was in a bad state of mind <laughs> to get back into competition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to just take a walk around the block a few times before he decided to change his entire life. Yeah, if I found out that you like lost your job. And then you also like lost all the money in your bank account and you started learning karate. I would probably be worried for you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, ah. No, yeah, this is then, my real life though. I was always meant to do karate. <laughs> and then some guy loses to me on purpose. And then I meet him in a back alley to prove that I can kick his ass that I'm going to follow him around. You would be worried about me. 
exactly. Or you'd be working at Child World, one of the two. I mean, you know what I, <laughs> the, the outcomes either way are not are not cool. So uh, we're going to do our last little segment and then we're going to sign off. But I did want to do one where this movie, again, screenplay uh, brought up by Pat. Wonderful bring up that this was uh, adapted by Richard Price. A lot of great lines in this movie. Um, not just like great exchanges, but also kind of lines that kind of can be interpreted in grander in grander positions um, in the course of life or in the course of a movie in general. So I kind of want to hear what your guys think. We'll do the first one is, um, what's your favorite quote of the movie? We're also going to do favorite quote that might actually apply to your life. But what's the favorite mm. quote of the movie just for you guys? Uh, mine, mine was when Fast Eddie is talking about how the game has changed so much because people are doing cocaine. And back in the day, um, people just drank booze. And he goes, wine. It goes back to the Bible. The Bible never said anything about amphetamines. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> Except for Charlie Sheen, chapter five, verse 12, uh, the book of Sheen. Uh, yeah, Paige, what was your favorite line, uh, favorite line of the movie? Well, you know, the, the one I was thinking that, that kind of, A, it's kind of, it's got the macho tone to it, but it, it kind of sums up, you know, basically like a uh, overall philosophy of life is he says the, uh, he says, Eddie says, uh, you got to have two things to win. You got to have brains and you got to have balls. Now you got too much of one and not enough of the other. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's just so like, yeah, you know, like you got, there's a nice balance between courage and brains and you don't have either. <laughs> um, yes. Some of my favorites were, uh, you study the watch, but I study you. Uh, I thought that was kind of a good one. Um, uh, it ain't about pool. It ain't about sex. It's about money. I'm sure a line that we've said uh, many times, many times in our lives. Nice guys finished last, which we've also mentioned. Um, uh, you got me talking to myself. You're either the best thing I've ever seen, or you're not. You're a waste of my time. Uh, <laughs> you've said, said that to me so many times, Joe. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, you said it to me too. Come on, what's with uh, you? I I didn't deserve that. And then uh, Paul Newman goes, "Yes, yes. you did. You did. Yeah." And I then. Love that. Uh, and then uh, the, my favorite line in the movie is, it's even, but it ain't settled. Um, I think oh, that, yes. I think that's just a really, really, it's a really great line. Um, and so now I want to hear which line of the movie do you think is either, you know, can either best encompass your life or can also be, you know, maybe a bit of a mantra, a battle cry, um, something that kind of hit a chord with you in your own personal life. Favorite line from that area. I, um, so I, I'm going to be upfront. I don't exactly know what this line means. So I've uh, decided what it means to me. But um, when he's talking about in when Fast Eddie and Carmen are talking in the back of the car, and he goes, and they're referring to Vince, um, he's like, he's got the power, he's got the flake. But can he turn the flake on and off? I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea what the flake is. But I definitely know for my personal life, I can flake on people, but I can also turn it off and not be a flake. It really depends on the event that I've been invited to. Will there be chips? If there will be chips, I will not flake. If there aren't chips, um, I might flake. <laughs> Take notes, Paige. Take oh, uh, <laughs> notes. I, 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 I like my chips. I like. I love my chips flaky. So it all, <laughs> it all, I, I, I read what you're saying. And, I'll be there. Uh, yeah, Paige, uh, uh, I, favorite I, line uh, that uh, encompasses or uh, resonates in your life? 
Well, I thought, well, I, you know, okay, so I, I maybe didn't quite follow the instructions to the letter uh, because I, I don't really know if this applies to me, but I thought a fun mantra line is, you know, when he says, uh, uh, money won is twice as sweet as money earned. You know what I mean? It's yeah, sort of oh, that. Right. It's, it's, yeah, sort of that, like, that idea of, like, you know, um, the, 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 the feeling the endorphins you get from you know like like defeating your foe is much better than slogging away and making money you know at your restaurant job or whatever we've been complaining about <laughs> well, behind I, the scenes today <laughs> and and, let, and let's be honest about it like you know there is there is a strange irony in of course like you spend hours um in classes or on stage or rehearsing or auditioning you know, all this other stuff that everyone says, you know, for actors, we consider auditioning is our job. And then the work is the reward. And in a weird, strange way, like, you know, you put in all this time, but when you do get that call to book that gig, it definitely feels like you won something. Yeah, um, totally. You know what I mean? Like in a strange way, it doesn't quite, you don't get that feeling that it's, that, that it's earned. And it is twice, <laughs> it is twice as sweet, right? You know what I mean? Like, you're like oh my God, I get to be it's, on camera. It is, you, vanqu you vanquished. Yeah, and you vanquished your foe, man. You know, everybody <laughs> everybody else in the room wanted that job and they ain't gonna get it because you got it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You yeah. start crunching the numbers because you're always crunching the numbers on the other side, right? And uh yeah, in a weird way it always does feel like uh it's something that was won. And I definitely agree that um auditions are my greatest foe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh my two favorites were um I did like uh, the balls roll funny for everybody, kiddo. Um, mm -hmm. I, I did thought that was an interesting mantra. Uh, but you know what, man? Like, I'm going back to the opening of the movie, and I know that's kind of lame. Um, but my favorite one is, for some players, luck is the art. Uh, yeah. Ooh. I thought that was, like, that was, that was my favorite one um, because – I mean, yeah, what can you say? Like sometimes, and uh, we were just talking about it, sometimes you want to think that you earned everything that you get, but a lot of times you kind of sort of, there are a lot of things where you luck into it and circumstances have to align just like just right and just perfectly um, for you to knock that nine ball in. Nine ball <laughs> in, into the pocket of life, you know what I mean? So um, that's my favorite one. Guys, uh, this was really great. I just want to maybe some final thoughts on uh, the color of money. Uh one one incredibly fast question where does the movie start because they hit the road and then they go to chicago so i'm assuming it starts in decatur or something like that you guys think about it uh get back to me uh really dig this movie i think it's an underrated scorsese movie it's not thought of as a scorsese movie it sounds like he's not the biggest fan of it but i definitely think it's worth a watch if anybody has out there hasn't seen it yet definitely check it out I mean, the Werewolves of London scene with Tom Cruise kicking a guy in the balls and then screaming at the top of his lungs. I mean, you know, 20 takes of that. And I think Scorsese would probably never want to be a part of uh, that experience. But ever again. Yeah. It's oh, oh! just like, an incredible scene. Uh, Paige, uh, final thoughts on The Color of Money. Well, it's funny, we, we, we've been talking about these quotes and, and you guys bringing up all these quotes that I'd forgotten about. It was, I'm, I'm thinking about it now, I'm thinking, man, that script is like full of philosophical tidbits. I mean, there's so many like macho, cool guy lines. And, and we have also talked about how, how great uh, the Carmen character was and how mm -hmm. Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio really pulled it off, you know, and really, you know, really had that, that wonderful uh, turn. So I, I think, yeah, I think, 
for a person who likes movies and likes you know movies with my favorite actors uh it's it's a great film and it's a it's a lot of fun and and it's also maybe kind of an acquired taste the first time i saw it i remember i didn't think it was all that great and then i kind of aged into it and was like hey man this is just you know this is definitely worth a watch it's a great film it's definitely a movie on repeated viewings gets a little bit better because you start picking up on the details a little bit you get to kind of understand that okay i understand the pace of it which is going to be you know i'm probably mid-tempo to be generous uh maybe even a little bit slower than that and for me and the reason why i wanted to put it on this podcast was um it just kind of has that vibe of like it's a cold shitty day in chicago yes and it is (laughs) it is wednesday or thursday and for whatever reason maybe you got the day off or whatever it's the middle of february and everything sucks and you go and you meet up with a buddy and it's freezing outside and then you open up the door to the cigarette smoke filled dive bar, which is going to be your home for the next, you know, four or five hours. It's dark as shit as your eyes are just trying to adjust appropriately. And then you just kind of hanging around and, and, you know, hanging around and talking about life, trying to get some laughs in. You have a couple of cocktails and maybe there is a pool table there. And after maybe the second or third cocktail you go in and you play, you know, I mean, you rack it up and you play a little bit. And that movie just has that huge feel to me all the time. Also on top, it's also a bit of a cautionary tale of, you know, we, we are still young enough men where we can walk into a dive bar and see the older, older gentlemen at the end who you know have been there since 11 a.m. And you're just yeah. like, dear God, please don't let that be me. Um, and this movie is loaded with those guys you know what i mean yeah yeah it's so funny because there's not a lot of movies shot in chicago where it's not a cold and shitty day don't you feel like chicago is always it's there's hardly any movies where chicago is nice and sunny you know it's always like weather yeah man uh yeah so that's uh those are kind of my thoughts on it and yeah great great film and a movie that honestly i think yeah a lot of people go oh scorsese directed that well yes 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 he did and uh-huh. you've got Cruz and you got Paul Newman and perhaps the last really great Paul Newman movie. Again, I'm sure a lot of people are going to push back on that because he's had, he's had some other films that were critically acclaimed. But this is kind of my last favorite Paul Newman great performance. Yeah, he's um, so great in it. Road, yeah, no. Road to Perdition was also Chicago. And I think that was his last like live action movie that wasn't Cars. And that cars wasn't Cars. Movie. Right, right, right. In Road, <laughs> yeah. to, Road to Perdition, I got, I got some issues. I got some issues with that. Um, Next time on. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining me here on Believe in Betting Chicago. My guest, Pat Babbitt, Paige Smith. Yay. Joey Christopoulos, thank you so much for listening, you guys. This episode today was brought to you by betonline.ag. That's going to do it, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. we got plenty more movies coming up and hopefully some more sports to coming up uh, to talk about, too, as well. But until then, be safe, be well, be good to each other, and we'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.